I love doing this. At the end of every single group, I felt like a dog running around in circles. You know, just that like pure elation and screaming along to the music on the way home, just loving it and wanting to feel that more. So I connected with a community where I'd lived previously in Georgia and started my first virtual group in Seattle. It was kind of this natural progression using the communities I was already part of before I took the big leap into like a big national launch. I'd like to introduce you to Shannon Paris. Today, Shannon is our director of product for What Works. When I hired her, I was hiring a community manager. Now, I'd known Shannon for over 10 years. She and I had co-managed Borders Books and Music until she left to join a company as a visual merchandiser in the fair trade industry. When she was looking for a new gig, I knew she was the right person for the job. But I'd be lying if I said it didn't take some convincing on her part. Shannon had never been a community manager before. She didn't know what the job entailed, and she wasn't necessarily steeped in the culture of the internet. What Shannon had, though, was extreme people skills. She's a master of friendly matchmaking, professional networking, and team member buy-in. I also knew she was detail-oriented, focused on helping people feel like they belonged, and excellent at having difficult conversations. In other words, I knew Shannon was the perfect community manager. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations with small business owners about what's actually going on in their businesses today. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Luckily, Shannon trusted me enough to take the job. Not only does she make What Works network members feel at home, connect them to resources, and help them turn their challenges into posts that get our whole community talking, she also makes the What Works network hum like a well-oiled machine. I could see the seed of a community manager well before Shannon saw it herself and bloomed in the position. And you know, that's the funny thing about some seeds we plant as small business owners. Sometimes it takes someone else to tell us something is starting to grow. And that was exactly the case with this week's guest, Allison Perrier. Allison is now the founder of Abundance Practice Building, but before founding this business, she had three private therapy practices in three different states. But then someone started to show her the seed she'd been planting all along. Allison was really good at building private practices. The peer pressure started to mount and she couldn't escape it anymore. It was time to bloom. In this conversation, Allison and I talk about how she created her first group business development program, where she found her first clients, and how she evolved the group from that point. We also discuss how her business has grown into what it is today, including a high-touch mastermind and a membership community. Now, do you have a story about planting a seed in your business? Have you run a small experiment and watched it transform your business? Have you taken a small step and put yourself on a whole new path? I would love to hear your story. Share it with us on Instagram using the hashtag explore what works and tag me, Tara underscore McMullen. We'll be sharing your stories throughout the month and you'll be entered to win a free lifetime membership to the What Works Network. For full rules and giveaway instructions, go to explorewhatworks.com slash April giveaway. That's explorewhatworks.com slash April giveaway. Giveaway closes April 22nd, 2019. Now, let's find out what works for Allison Preer. Allison Preer, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation. So I want to take you way, 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 way back um, mm-hmm. to when you very first realized that you enjoyed helping other therapists start their practice, really kind of understand what was uh, the business side, uh, I suppose, of therapy. So when did you first start helping therapists begin their practices, get started building um, a business for themselves? And what did those early relationships look like? So I got my first start with that very early in my practice, uh, my first full-time practice, I should say, because I realized I'd broken into this magical land of more time and more freedom and the clients I do the best work with and more money all at once. And I became like a private practice proselytizer. And I was probably totally obnoxious with my therapist friends who were working in counseling centers and agencies. And I wanted them to have the same things I had. So um, there was some very intense peer pressure probably for me. And like, here's how you do it come join me in this beautiful, magical land. And so I really cut my teeth with the people that I knew and loved and didn't start doing it as a business until several years later when I'd moved cross country for the second time. And I was at this networking event and it just came out of my mouth that I loved helping people set up practices. And all of a sudden people were very, very interested in talking to me. So I collected their cards, I created a curriculum, and I kind of got started on a group with them so that they could enter this magical land with me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you say that you cut your teeth with the people that you knew and loved. Um, And I think that so many businesses, so many great businesses get started that way because you know, we see those problems for people that we do really care about. And I think by proxy, then we end up caring about more people who Mm -hmm. have those problems and we want to solve those problems. So let's dig into those first steps that you took um, after that networking event, when you had the, the, those business cards, when you had the contact information, what can you walk us through the initial steps you took to explore what this idea, what this new segment of business might look like? Yeah. Well, I, I was listening to the people I was talking to about what their fears were and about where they might've gotten stuck before if they'd tried in the past to start a private practice. So I was really doing some validation, but didn't know the name for it at the time. And I think in outline form, I'm just very naturally organized. And so it made the curriculum piece of it come very naturally to me. But there were just a lot of conversations, a lot of following up with people. Um, I made like a a pretty dinky little website on my own to try to establish it as like, this is a service you can have here in Asheville. And and then kind of shared it uh, bashfully to the local Facebook groups for therapists and told people about it. I was was not feeling um, like... Uh, very professional or very like, this is my new gig at the time. It just felt like this, there's this thing I really love to offer and I'd love to help you. Um, It didn't feel like a real life business at the time. Well, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just to clarify, so you started this, you started this idea locally. Yes. I started locally um, because I thought like, oh, here's my new community. I'd really only been there a few months. And here's my new community, and this will be a great way to 
to help out my, my new friends. I really think about networking as making new friends. Mm-hmm. And it was a really great way to, to build friendships, build relationships, and help our community at the same time, because there are a lot of gaps in service here in the private practice ar- arena. And I really wanted to make sure that those were filled for you know, clients all through the city. Awesome. I think so many people overlook starting locally, and it's such a great way to go. Can you tell us how long between that initial networking event where you started collecting information to, uh, to actually starting the group, how long elapsed um, between those two points? It was. I remember the networking event was on my birthday. Oh. <laughs> I was like, this is maybe... Uh, not the most fun or romantic thing I could be doing on my birthday, but it all worked out well. Um, so that was the end of August. And then I started the group the beginning of November. Oh, okay. That's very quick. Yeah, <laughs> it, is. it yeah. is. It's funny looking back at some things, the way things just naturally fell together or things that I just went on instinct that worked out well. I feel like there are a lot of things in my business that look like they might've been intentional, but it was really just me following my gut and lucking out. Okay. So one, I don't believe anyone lucks out, <laughs> um, but can you tell us what one of those things are? Like wh- what's something that you went by instinct on that ended up being a really good decision? Oh my gosh. I feel like, um, well, starting my podcast, I have a podcast okay. and starting that felt like that sounds fun. I'll take a course on that. I'll find an editor real quick, but it wasn't this extraordinarily strategic move but it's ended up being a huge revenue source for my business. And it's been a really fun way to meet people. So, I mean, things like that, it seems like a very strategic thing, but I was kind of doing it just to test some things out. Gotcha. So what did that very first group that you offered, how did you structure it? What did you charge for it? Where did you (laughs) find those people? Oh, so the, what I charge for, it always makes me giggle a little because it's, I mean, it all morphs and changes, right? And right. and this is a, a product that's since been retired. But at the time, um, I believe it was like $425 for six months. Oh my of, goodness. I know, I know, I know. Of um, Once a month group support. And I think they got two individual meetings as well. And we worked through the curriculum together in my office. And it was, it was amazing because there's a lot of my therapy skills that end up coming into play and helping people build businesses, right? I mean, it's scary. It's hard. It brings up all our stuff. And so to be able to stay on the consulting side of things instead of slipping into therapy mode, but still having those skills to access has been really great. And I appreciate that there was a lot of really deep connection in that group and I was afraid that once a month wouldn't um, wouldn't really provide that, but they did get together in between and really helped kind of support one another as a cohort. And that also spread the word as they were telling their friends, which led to more and more groups later. Um, wow. Yeah, which was really fun. So initially that's what it looked like. Um, and then I, I thought, well, there are only so many therapists in my medium-sized city that are going to be starting a private practice at any one time. So I love doing this. At the end of every single group, I felt like a dog running around in circles, you know, just that like pure elation and screaming along to the music on the way home, just loving it and wanting to feel that more. So I connected with a community where I'd lived previously in Georgia and was going out there um, once a month running two groups. And 
started my first virtual group in Seattle, where I'd lived previously with some therapists there to test it, to make sure that it translated um, video conferencing. So uh, it was, it was kind of this natural progression using the communities I was already a part of before I took the big leap into like a big national launch. Gotcha. Okay. So let's rewind just a little bit. Um, you, you did mention that you were kind of bashfully sharing this website and this offer in Facebook groups and with your local network, but can you tell us like, what did the, what did the call to action? What would, what did the sales pitch look like for that initial group and who were you really talking to and who ended up signing up? Oh, that's a good question. So who I was, who I was talking to, I think for the most part, I hit my target. I was talking to therapists who had been in agencies and were exhausted. Um, agencies can often be really, really toxic workplaces and it has nothing to do with the clients. It's often, you know, bureaucracy and the rigmarole and all that. Um, so I know what it is to be in a place where I feel un- unappreciated and, to work so hard and to care so deeply for my clients and to sometimes have policies in the way of being able to provide the kind of care I want to provide. So I was talking to that person. I was talking to me of, you know, years previous. Um, So I knew that struggle well. So I was talking to that person. I was also talking to somebody who um, didn't have a lot of confidence in their abilities as an entrepreneur. Like they would never identify as an entrepreneur and they felt like they had absolutely no idea where to start. So my first opt-in, for instance, was, and is, it's still my primary opt-in, a checklist for how to get started in private practice, because it just feels like this weird nebulous thing. So I reached out to to folks via my website with copy that spoke to that. I I was less bashful talking about it, because as you can tell, I get really passionate, I'm energetic. Mm -hmm. Once I get going, I think people get excited about joining me on it. Um, And I think my copy communicated that, but putting the copy out, I had that fear that a lot of new entrepreneurs feel of like, I don't want to seem salesy. Um, I think my call to action was something like uh, I was over accommodating for one thing. It was very inexpensive. And I was also doing it at night, which I, I don't, I'm not a night person. (laughs) So I was over accommodating and kind of highlight how accommodating I was willing to be to help you build your practice. Like it's even at a time you can do and for something you can afford, um, which has shifted over time. Right. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Okay. So I want to spend a little bit more time on that um, initial group, just because I, I think, you know, we don't talk about where these ideas come from enough. We just, we talk about the business that it's grown into, as opposed to actually talking about what the seed of the thing is. Um, what gave you, what inspired you to structure the program the way that you did? I'm really, I'm trying to get better at asking people actually where these ideas come from and like what the, almost what the like intellectual roots of these ideas are, as opposed to just like talking about the ideas themselves. So were you inspired by the way you'd run therapy groups before? Were you inspired by something else that you'd seen that worked similarly? What gave you the idea for how to structure it? I think it was probably based on how I'd done some therapy groups and thinking, well, this is not therapy. Like these people are not hating life in the same way that a lot of my clients have. So probably once a week is a little much for them. Mm. And I want them to have time to implement. There were not other practice building consultants out there. Um, There were a couple, but they offered 
only high touch one-on-one kind of stuff at the time. So I didn't have anybody in my field that was doing something similar. And I know the power of community. I know that whether it's therapy or whether it's business building, things are hard and scary. And it feels really great to have more than one person in it with you and supporting you. And I also knew for the local group, sending one another referrals because everybody's got a different niche. And so that also helped them build. So I wanted it to be... um, I wanted to have this group that allowed them to feel safe saying this part sucks right now and it's really hard and I'm scared and have several other people say, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh, besides just me. Um, And I just wanted them to implement because I'm a doer and I know that a lot of people don't. But what I found, and this is something that made me adapt the course later, is that like a month's worth of homework is a really long time to not have a check-in and mm. still keep doing the homework if you're not a natural doer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was something that changed later. I ended up um, doing every other week. Um, and there, it was just a check-in that second week where they would get together and talk through the homework. And then, you know, now what I'm running now is completely different. We can talk about that, but it's even more frequent. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about that. One more question about that initial group. You mentioned, um, you know, that you were, I loved the image of the, uh, like a dog running around in circles that you're so happy after each of these groups. But aside from that, aside from your own personal excitement, uh, what gave you the idea or what gave you the confidence to say this could be something bigger? Hmm. I think I I trust and know myself that when I have a goal, I'll get it. Mm. Like I will work tirelessly to get what I want. And I knew I wanted more of that feeling. And I knew I wanted to make the kinds of change for both people starting private practices and the clients that would see them. I just felt really driven by my why. And I wanted to be able to spread that far and wide. And I, I don't know if it was false confidence at the time. It all worked out. So maybe not. But there was something in me that just knew. And I hadn't had any business consulting until I decided like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into programs and people and things like that to help me get it off the ground. But I think I just went in with this really intense, this is something that's missing in the world that needs to happen. Oh, that's awesome. We'll learn more about how abundance practice building has grown and evolved in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses like yours that bring people together. You started your small business with an idea and it's grown and grown. Now that you've built programs, events, online courses, and even a community, you realize that this growth has gotten a little out of hand. Your work and your customers are spread out over a bunch of different tools and platforms. Your content lives in a few different places. Your community hangs out somewhere else. Your products have grown up on yet another platform. And your payments? Well, they are all over the place. Starting a Mighty Network can change all of that. 
Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your content, products, community, events, and payment processing all together. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We share exclusive content, interact with members using questions and polls, host events like our virtual conferences, and accept membership fees. Mighty Networks has made our whole business tidier. Start growing your business all in one place and finally see what your seed can grow into. Go to MightyNetworks.com to get started. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. What Works is also brought to you by Bench. It's tax season, and that means you're thinking about whether your books are in order. If you're ready to stop stressing about cleaning up your business finances yourself, it's time to get Bench. Bench combines easy-to-use software with real human beings who do your bookkeeping for you. Not only does your money stay neat and tidy, you get valuable monthly financial statements and expense reports, plus access to your personal bookkeeping team whenever you have a question. Even better, What Works listeners get 20% off their first six months of bookkeeping, and you can try it out free of charge before you commit. To get started, go to explorewhatworks.com slash bench. That's explorewhatworks.com slash bench. That's awesome. Okay, so what does what does this business or what has this grown into today? How does it look today? Yeah, so now I have a membership site. So I have this awesome membership site called The Abundance Party, and it is you know, information plus a community. So it gives them everything they need to know. But you do have to be a bit of a self-starter to use a membership site. Um, and I really want people to take advantage of what they have access to. There's nothing like somebody being like, it didn't help when they never signed it, you know? Right. So uh, I have my membership site, but I also have a high touch offer that I do. I offer once a year and it's a year long and it's, uh, it includes the party. And it also has one-on-ones with the individual consultant that works with me, uh, group meetings with me every week and office hours with me every month. And then also time with a professional writer. So their website copy can get where it needs to be. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's very high touch. I actually just finished that launch two weeks ago. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm bouncing back post launch at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, what are, uh, what would you say are the similarities? I mean, we, I think we can spot so many of the the differences between like a high touch year long kind of sort of sounds like a, almost like a mastermind style program mm-hmm. uh, between that uh, and and that four hundred and twenty five dollars <laughs> month program. Um, we can spot some of the differences. But what are some of the similarities between what you're offering with that high touch program today versus that initial group offering that you had? Yeah, I mean, the similarities are. Marketing is marketing. So a lot of what I'm teaching now are the same things I was teaching then, especially yeah. around like how to effectively network and um, how to maintain communication with referral sources. So that's a big piece. Um, and the fear and the anxiety that folks show up with is the same too. Uh, I can't, as a therapist, I just can't ignore the emotional side of it. So a lot of the mindset stuff is exactly the same as it was for that group several years ago. And it's, it's fun to be able to work with that and to work with it with a group of people who are really invested in getting where they want to go by the end of the year. Yeah. I love that. How long, uh, had you been running the smaller groups before you started to retire them and move in this direction? So I, I started running them 
2015, no, November of 2014 is when I started running them. I retired them last January, so January of 18, um, and then launched this higher touch offer in May. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a, I mean, I think that's, I mean, maybe not lightning speed, but that's, that's pretty fast moving in that, in that direction. What, what made you decide, or can you tell me about the decision of, of retiring the way you had been doing it and exploring a new way to serve people? Yeah. So I was feeling really tired. I had a lot going on in my life. Um, you know, all the life stuff. I got sick. I've got two little kids. One of them has a neurological disorder. Like there was a lot going on and I needed to scale back and I had just launched the membership site. Mm. So I was like, maybe we'll just do the membership site. I feel like I'm juggling too much and I'm feeling too anxious. It was a weird thing. I was just feeling so much anxiety before every group when that just didn't occur before. Um, So I was just kind of listening to my body's reaction to doing this. And then I, I retired it and I was like, oh, I miss it. <laughs> like now I miss all these interactions with people that I don't get to have as much as a part of this membership community. I want to I wanna get on calls with people and sort through some stuff. And But I knew I couldn't do as much of the one-on-one as I wanted to do. Yeah. So that's when I hired uh, the consultant that works for me now, Lindsay, who's amazing. And... Yeah, I was like, well, if you want to do the one-on-ones, I can do some group calls. And it just worked out perfectly. She is thrilled. I'm thrilled. Our clients are thrilled. Um, our director of operations keeps the wheels on the bus for us. It just, it all just works. Well, I love to hear that. Um, <laughs> so, okay, can you tell us how your marketing has evolved through this? What are you doing differently today to find clients than you were three or four years ago? So three or four years ago, I feel like um, my big national launch, I did a Jeff Walker style launch mm-hmm. and and that worked well. Um, and I know that launching in that style works well for me. I get the results I want, but it takes a lot out of me. Um, the launch itself is not hard. It's my relationship to the launch and my wanting to leave everything on the mat. Mm-hmm. So I did that again in my, la- my launch last month. And it was a great launch. And it, it, I feel like it ate six weeks of my life in terms of uh, my own well-being and my team's well-being and my kids' well-being. So I need to get better about uh, my stress level when it comes to the launching because it works well, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like, well, uh, you know, People don't love every single aspect of their work. And then there's also an aspect of me that's like, why build your own thing if you do a bunch of stuff you hate? So I'm playing with that and maybe doing some therapy of my own around it because it does work and I get to help people. And I mean, my last launch was multiple six figures. That that's a huge deal to me. And I want to keep that success going both for me and the people who I reach because of all of that intense communication via marketing. Um, but yeah, I can't let it take as much out of me. Yeah. What does your marketing look like in between launches? So in between I have for the party, it's evergreen. People can sign up anytime. And so I talk about it on my podcast. I have a a free Facebook group that's got about 15,000 people in it. And so I talk about it in there. My, my folks in the party will often mention how helpful it is in there. 
Um, and I am also about to start doing monthly webinars. That's another launch strategy that's worked for me. So I'm going to be doing some webinars for the party to get some more folks in there every month. Nice. Uh, so, so much of this conversation has been about evolution and how things grow. And I'm curious how your vision has evolved and, and, and more specifically what your vision is now and what that means for the next steps that you're going to be taking um, as you continue to grow the business. So my vision for now is first I need to do a lot of the spring cleaning you've been talking about <laughs> on the podcast um, this month. I need to, I need to clean up some old things that are hanging out and taking up virtual and emotional space. Um, and ultimately what I want for abundance is to get more people in the party so that they can, more people who the party's appropriate for, right? The people who are going to take action so that they can have what they want out of their practices in their lives. Um, I want to continue to do the inner circle once a year. That's my higher touch offer. And otherwise I just want to keep it simple. I mean, yeah. I used to offer so many things, like a lot of people. I used to, I also did individual consulting and I also did this other thing and this not very aligned piece of my business for a while. I just, I, I was trying to do all the things and having multiple offers, partly because that's what I was taught. And then I was like, this is exhausting. So <laughs> I like having two things. I think, um, I think that it's fun to be able to really get in there with, with two, two offers worth of people instead of spreading myself too thin. That way these folks really get the best of me. Yeah. I love that. I also love having two things. Um, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So you, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but yesterday you and I were talking about business ideas yeah. <laughs> and how despite enjoying simplicity, our brains don't start <laughs> coming, stop coming up with them. Right. Yeah. How do you reconcile that desire for simplicity and knowing that simplicity actually builds a better business, builds a more focused, builds a more effective, efficient, profitable business with also having that steady stream of, of like, oh, I could solve that or I, I, could, I can build that kind of ideas? Yeah, I have a, I have a list called Future Plans. Uh -huh. We, I literally will build out businesses in this like Google Doc folder. Um, where I get hung up is, have you read uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic? No. So in it, she talks about how um, like our ideas are not ours. They're like kind of the muse touching down and being like, here, you want to try this out? And then they will flutter away if we don't use them <laughs> to someone else. And I'm like... Ah, my precious ideas. I want to hoard them and make sure that I give birth to them. Um, but instead, I'm trying to imagine if I don't give birth to this, but it still really matters to me that it exists in the world. Maybe it's okay for there to be some surrogate who, who brings it into the world and I can support it in another way. Um, that's easier with some ideas than others. Sometimes too, I look back at that folder, Tara, and I'm like, was a terrible idea. <laughs> Why did you spend all this time building that out? Um, so I, I think sometimes too, if it just exists in the folder for a little while, I can look at it with new eyes when I do have time and decide whether or not it's really worth that attention. I love that. Cause I think this is almost like the flip side of this planting a seed conversation that we're having this month. Like you planted your seed, it has grown into a big oak tree and your job at this point, at least is to continue to take care of that oak tree. Um, but 
like any oak tree does. I'm making this metaphor up on the fly, by the way. It's really working uh, well. Keep going. Thank you. The <laughs> oak tree creates additional seeds, right? Mm-hmm. And but you know, sometimes those seeds grow into trees, sometimes they don't. But I love how you describe realizing that it may those ideas, those seeds might not be yours to tend, mm-hmm. um, even if you know they're passing through you right now. Um, and it sounds like you really have your priorities in order, or it sounds like you really know what you want from life right now. Yes, that's gotten really clear. And I don't know that it would have ever gotten so clear if it weren't for entrepreneurship, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Was there, like, did you do personal work around that? Was it a, did you bring that to therapy? Like, tell me, like, I, I get that entrepreneurship is this gauntlet that we go through and we learn so much about ourselves and what we want in that process. But I also think that there are, you know, there are so many outside, outside resources that we bring to that process. And I guess I'm just curious what some of yours are. Yeah. Well, I love therapy. I mean, as a therapist, <laughs> I'm clear. Like, I, I, I know what my stuff is and I'm always going to have stuff. So we're like all of us. Um, and I love working on it because I just want to be you know, the best possible version of myself as I can. And I think that if I was still working at an agency or a counseling center, um, I would have followed the path I was currently on of some learned helplessness and a lot less confidence in the things I can accomplish in the world because I wasn't being stretched in the ways that were helpful to me. I was being stretched in ways that made me um, feel like I couldn't do my job well. And my my work is really important to me. It's a big part of my identity. And so both as a private practice therapist and also as an entrepreneur with abundance, there's just been so much rich discomfort instead of the discomfort that made me feel like I was compromising myself. So therapy, um, talking to my really insightful, wonderful friends and family And um, my mastermind, my personal mastermind of my four gals we've been getting together for like five years now, um, we'll call each other on our stuff in a heartbeat. And Mm -hmm. I really, really love and appreciate that. That's amazing. Thank you for describing that because I I think, yeah, more of us need to call on resources like that. Um, Well, Allison, what is the next project that you're really excited about? I'm actually really excited about these webinars. I know that the marketing works for me, um, you know, inside of a webinar, but I, I felt like I was really coasting with my membership site and not pushing the envelope as much as I could. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to take that on. Um, and the content in them is going to be really helpful whether or not people buy. And that excites me too, is that people can take what they're learning from the webinar itself and really make some huge changes. That's awesome. Allison, thank you so much for this great conversation. Thank you so much um, for telling us about the seeds that you've planted and the incredible business that they've grown into. Thank you so much for having me. Find out more about Allison Perrier at AbundancePracticeBuilding.com. Now, remember, we want to hear your story of planting a seed in your business. Share it with us on Instagram using the hashtag explore what works and tag me, Tara underscore McMullen. We'll be sharing your stories throughout the month and you'll be entered to win a free lifetime membership to the What Works Network. For full rules and giveaway instructions, go to explorewhatworks.com slash April giveaway. That's explorewhatworks.com slash April giveaway. Giveaway closes April 22nd, 2019. 
This episode was produced by Sean McMullen and edited by Marty Seafeld. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 190 candid conversations about what's really working to grow and run a small business today at explorewhatworks.com.